said earlier that in John 10, 10, Jesus said that the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that I have come to give you life and life in, in abundance. And in Joel 2.25, Lord shall restore the years the locust has eaten. He is in control of what you submit to him, catch your burdens unto him. I say this because I see the Lord moving in your lives. As he breakthroughs that only the Lord could have done. Things working out that you know that that is not your fit, but the Lord did this. Gave him the glory. Last week and the week before, I was watching a revival in Kentucky. And I think it was a week before last, a person was testifying that he was healed of church hurt, H-U-R-T, not Pizza Hut, church hurt. Yes? And I was 
I kind of knew what it was, but I was wondering, is it that bad or what does he need to testify of this? Because, don't get me wrong, it's good to testify, but it's the same as school hurt. Basically, it is the same as authority hurt. And the problem with that, as we are going to learn today, is based on the fear of God, fear of God, not the fear of God in us. Adam was afraid of God, of being afraid of God. Yes, God is the ultimate authority. And if you're afraid of that, you won't have a relationship with him. So, I asked God more about this. I said, Lord, speak to me through scriptures. Because, as you know, there's a revival going on. There are revivals going on throughout the world. The problem is, if you get caught up in one revival or the other, and you, that becomes your God, then you all is lost. It's good that they're having a revival, I'm not against that. What I'm against is us worshiping that revival. That should not be a form of worship. Any worship which does not have the word is wrong. Any word without worship is wrong. So we must have a balance. Meaning, when you have the word without the Holy Spirit, it is wrong. And you just have the Holy Spirit, or you think you have the Holy Spirit, a lot of things are moving as what you think is the move of the Holy Spirit without the word correcting us and guiding us. That is also wrong, yes? So it must be balanced. But I'll talk more about that, God willing, next week. Because this has become an issue, as uh, you may or may not know that the college is shutting down that revival. And today being Sunday, it will start that shutdown and go all the way till Wednesday. Because it's a college and they don't want outsiders in their campus. Whatever the reason is, God told me the revival is in our hearts. Meaning, what is happening in Kandaki should not be a bad cry in Cochin, yes? If your heart is not changed, you can worship all you want and you go home the same. What is, what is that? I have a word for that which is spreading. It's called fakery bakery. Do you understand? Don't be fake, be real. I went to God and I said, what, what is happening? What is happening in your church? What, what is going on? I mean, <clears throat> two, three weeks ago, I expected God to move mightily as what I thought was a revival in the sense that people would fall under the presence of God and all that. And like I said, I'll speak more about that next week. But the Lord was talking to me through Psalm 
74, verse 2 and 3. It goes like this. Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance, which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion, where you dwelt. Lift up your feet to perpetual desolations. The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. To me, this speaks about a fifth column attack. That is an attack within. It's not from the outside. We know, or we've heard of traditions where the church building itself offers itself as a place of rest, of refuge, like in popular legends, where demon was chasing somebody and they ran into the church building and shut the doors and demon couldn't come in. All that is there in the legends. Yeah, whatever, we don't know. I'm not saying it's true or it's not true, yeah? What I'm saying is, this is talking about a fifth column attack. What does that mean? It's somebody who has access to the sanctuary who's destroyed it and who has access to the sanctuary. The people who have authority over the sanctuary. Remember, I'm talking about authority hurt, yes? The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. Who is the enemy? We don't struggle against what? Flesh and blood, yes? So it's not a human task force, yes? But we'll get to that, yes? Now, as I explained before to those people in the Bible study, you have Abraham, and you have Isaac, and then Jacob, yes? When Jacob was a good boy, God called him Israel, yes? Meaning, and it, when it was spiritual, God called him Israel. Otherwise, he was Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes? God chose Abraham, yes? And God chose Isaac, yes? God chose whom? Jacob. Obviously not Esau, yeah? Do you understand? After that, we know of 12 tribes of which Joseph was used to deliver people into Egypt and Moses was used to deliver people out of Egypt. And then Aaron was used as a Levitical priesthood. But Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. So God did not appoint any particular son if you understand what I'm saying, for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob after that. Do you understand? Meaning there was, there was a tribal move. Do you understand? Because they went in as a family and they came out as a nation. You understand what I'm saying, yes? So I'm talking about God picking who he wants and how he wants and how in the old covenant is different and how in the new covenant is different. When you talk about Samuel, Hannah prayed for Samuel, yes, and got Samuel. He was heard of by God and birth, given birth because of God, yes, but you don't hear about Samuel's kids following his footsteps as a prophet or taking up his business 
as we say colloquially. You can say anything you want about it, but you don't hear about that. Same thing we studied last week about David, King David. How his laziness and his lack of putting things in order, having the wrong priorities, on the way to becoming a man after God's own heart, caused harm. When kings went to war, David was lazy. He didn't, he didn't, when his daughter was raped by his son, he didn't take on that responsibility. All these things are for us to learn. And we will learn more about that next week, God willing, I'll be teaching that. Because I had this and this, if I preached the whole thing, what God had told me, it would have taken, I don't know, maybe two sessions or something. But here, on the way to becoming a man after God's own heart, we learn this about David. But there's something about David that you and I should understand and learn from more. That is that he knew and respected God's authority. When Saul was relieving himself in the cave, David had a chance to kill him, but he said what? I will not touch God's anointed. And later when Shemai was cursing David, and his, David's own men said, you just say the word and there'll be nothing left of him. These are my words. David said, no, far be it from me. How do you know God has not sent him? This is in 2 Samuel 16. Do you, do you understand, yes? So David understood authority. The problem with church hurt or school hurt, basically authority hurt, is that we end up despising authority and we become anti-authority. I was that in a way that I didn't understand. And you don't have authority because you are not under authority. How do we understand that from scripture? Go to Luke 7, 8-9. This is when the centurion came to Jesus and Jesus said, okay, you servant, I'll come home and I'll heal, I'll lay my hands and I'll heal that sick servant of yours, yeah? And what did the centurion say? For I am, I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. That means he understood that the authority that Jesus operated in came from God himself. Because he said, I also. Do you understand? Yes, he understood authority. And I said to one, go. And he goes, and to another, come. And he comes, and to my servant, do this. And he does it. So he understood Jesus had authority over the creation. That he was God, and he could do, and he could say to the demon, go or come or whatever. Do you understand? Yes? I'm just using that as an example. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This authority or understanding of authority is equal to what? Remember the algebraic equations I spoke about last month? 
great faith, yes? And all authority is from God. Let's go to Romans 13, verse 1. And, and you can read to ver through verse 5 when you have time. But uh, here it says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those positions of authority have been placed there by God. So, unless the government tells you to do something that is against scripture or against word of God, pay your taxes. Do you understand? I do. It's not easy for me, but I do. Do you understand? Sometimes it feels like you got the tiger by the tail. But no, I don't honor all that. I listen to the word of God, yes? Says in the worst time. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to what? Keep a clear conscience. In this example, when the income tax guy comes, I have a clear conscience because I pay tax. I remember a long time ago before I paid taxes on my first job. I mean, I, I, they were pray, paying some provident fund, but I don't know what, you know, they were not giving me the salary on the paper. They were giving me based on the tax structure and the rest they were giving cash. So I was get, while I was getting paid on, on the paper, it looked like I was not eligible even to pay taxes. So my friend had a friend who worked for income tax. So I didn't know that. So I said, ha, huh, by the way, you know, this guy is and so and so and he works in income tax. I immediately clutched my cross pen. And I was thinking, mm. far be it from me, yeah? get him away from me. I immediately my manners came. I was polite and I was there, but I didn't invite him one bit closer to me, yes? But not so anymore. Do you understand? This authority comes from God. Pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's, yes? Unto God what is God's, yes? This is in the world. And if you are not faithful in the world, you will not be faithful in the church. Some people think, oh, this is in the world, so it doesn't matter. No. He's faithful with little, he's faithful with men, many, yes? If you can't be trusted with mammon or the wealth, how can you be trusted with things of God? Jesus himself said that. Why is that important? In Ephesians 4, 11, it says, Jesus, and he himself gave some to be what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. They had authority over you and me. Do you understand? Yes? It is a calling. Walk worthy of it, yes? And remember, I said earlier, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, yes? What does it say that? In Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? 
principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Keep that in mind because we'll come to that. Because God has a solution for that and that involves you and me. But we don't move into that solution because we're afraid. And we have issues like church hurt. Nonsense. Get over it, yes? If you walk by the Spirit, you will put to death what? The things of the flesh. Do you understand? But I'm, I'm getting to that later, but maybe next week, yes? Hebrews 12, 14 to 15. We understood about keeping a clear conscience, what that is. Because if you don't have a clear conscience, what does that do to you? We'll come, we'll understand from the word. Hebrews 12, 14 to 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So what happens? Bitterness defiles you. Yes? Is that clear? Yes? And, and unforgiveness causes bitterness. Yes? So does bad conscience. It causes bitterness. And thereby you become defiled. 1 Corinthians 8-7 However, there is not in everyone that knowledge for some with conscience of, a, of the idol until now eat the thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Do you understand? So when you look in the mirror understand it matters whether you like that person you see in the mirror or not. Don't have fakery bakery. How can you love God when you don't like the person you see? Has not God created that person you see in the mirror? Do you understand? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a whitewashed tomb. 1 Timothy 1.5 in the New Living Translation it says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Why don't you have love? Why can't you experience love? Check your heart. Whether you have a clear conscience. That's why I say to you, reset your system before you go to sleep. And before I sleep, every day I do this. Even last night, I had to do this. So that you wake up with a clear conscience. Do you understand? In 1 Timothy 1, 18-20. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies made previously concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience which some have rejected 
concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I deliver to Satan that in may that they may learn not to blaspheme so don't reject a good conscience yeah let's talk about that as we progress yes but having faith and a good conscience do you understand all this yes don't let jesus's church be a deterrent because of that i'm talking about authority hurt yes or church hurt yes don't get offended what does it say in matthew 11:6 what did jesus say blessed is he who is not offended because of me there are people who say they are men of god be they pastors or bishops or priests or whatever in the church in who follow christ who say they are they will hurt you but they will be accountable to god but what are you called to do forgive don't be offended my pastor did that to me i didn't show an inkling of hurt to him or lack of faith or thing i cried out to god i said save me and he did and i told my pastor when after god moved and the man pastor would not believe that he was a mumu of god i told him you and i cannot walk together unless we agree and we are going into dangerous situations and dangerous places and i don't agree with you and you don't agree with me so how can we be together to save face so i wrote him a resignation letter yeah, it's not heard of in the church here but do you understand so that nobody would speak the wrong thing do you understand yes blessed is he who is not offended because of me i refused to get offended even though what he did wrong i had recorded the whole thing all i had to do was put that online at that time and i would have been vindicated but i didn't do that even still today i have that recording i didn't do that instead vindication comes from whom the lord go to matthew 8:38 for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels i uh, depending on the translation of the gospel you read you understand if you deny jesus he'll deny you don't be ashamed of him this is the problem with authority yes a clear a pure conscience serves as a deterrent to offense you know like i um, say in the movie matrix um the first one when the agent shot some bullets at uh, near what do you say no and the bullet stopped and went ding ding none of you have watched it all of you are looking at me like oh you're all saints no matrix came up before i got saved ha 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 no 
No. When you have a clear conscience, what can you do with the fiery darts of the wicked ones? Say, no. You can't touch this. Hallelujah. This is the boldness that we should have. Hallelujah. Yes. Offense is a bait of Satan. I've explained that. In fact, there's a book on that. And when I started the ministry, I was preaching about that, not based on the book. I think I started preaching before the book came out. But do you understand? Don't get into that nonsense. Get right with God, yes? 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 9. Likewise, deacons must be reverent and not be double-tongued, not given to much wine, no grief for money, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Titus 1.5 To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and their conscience are defiled. Do you understand? When you have a clear conscience, would you worry? <laughs> really? Cast your burdens unto the Lord, yes? Don't be the president of the worry club, yes? Do you understand? So do not get callous with your heart, thereby searing your conscience. When I play guitar, for a long time and I practice, I get calluses in my fingers. Why? Because the strings are made of metal, yes? Do you understand? And that's a good thing. But the Bible says, do not develop that hard-heartedness. Because that will not serve you getting close to God, yes? What does 1 Timothy 4.2 say? Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What happens when you put a hot iron to your hand? First it'll hurt, then it'll stop hurting. Why? Because your nerves are burnt. Do you understand? Don't let that happen to your conscience. And uh, we read in the New Testament about David being a man after God's own heart, yes? And there are a lot of things you could say about David. Why he was a man after God's own heart. It could be his music, it could be something or the other. What? But here I'm telling you, it's not enough to be a man after God's own heart. That alone will not do in the new covenant. Because it's more stricter. You must be faithful witnesses. Remember I told you our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principality. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture from the New Living Translation just to make it more understandable. It says in Ephesians 3, 10 to 12, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That means he intended, his purpose was to use you 
and me, and especially me. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm joking. God does not have show partiality. Yeah? Use the church to display God's wisdom in its rich variety. He's the creator God. Why do you need to copy the world? Do you understand? Long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, oh, that's not a long time, is it? No, but yeah, maybe 10, 12 years ago, God told me to start, start what is known as a transformation center. Where I used biblical principles to set people free, to bring them out of their shells. And it worked. I would not call quote a scripture saying this is from Ephesians 2.10 or whatever, but I would say the thing behind it. And a Muslim of all people first heard of forgiveness through this, and he decided to forgive. His skin tone changed after that. He said, I'm free. And later, much later, I met, I mean, and Samuel's teacher was one of my students in that transformation center. And he was, you know, he was saying, that led him to this, because he came out of the shell. Nothing God has offered to you as a principle goes to waste. Do you understand? But don't hit people on the head with your Bible. Bible thumpers, yeah? Speak to them. Everybody, almost everybody wants to know the truth, yes? And the truth will set them free. When something is happening, they'll ask, what is this? Like they asked me, the musicians that got saved, they said, what is this? I said, this is the God that I serve. And they all accepted him. I didn't have to say a word. I said, okay, when we practice, we don't need cuss, we start with the prayer, we end with the prayer, remember? That, and they did that. And the Lord went to work on their lives. Hallelujah. This is wisdom. This, when you look more towards, is creativity also. And the Lord, our Father, will give us that. I remember those days we had power cuts and we had one more song. I said, okay, let's sit down and pray. And we prayed and the song just flowed. And they said, they themselves said there was not ever a song like that. And the way we used to sing it also. Do you understand? I still have that. That song, you know, I haven't published it or anything like that. I was doing a project for someone else. He says in verse 11, This was his eternal plan which he carried through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Why do you do that? To hear what he's planning to do. And if you're afraid of that and you keep him at a distance, how, how will you know? You will know through your pastor or somebody else which tie you ought to wear that day. 
<laughs> Nonsense. Jesus died on the cross to reconcile you and me to our Father, to have a relationship with Him. And why was the Holy Spirit given? So that He knew we could not make it on our own. So God Himself became what? A resident in us. We are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit, yes? Of God Himself. So sharpen your axe, yes? And this was His original plan or is continuing plan to use the church to display God's wisdom in its rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Not to humans, but to them. See what I can do, God said, through those people who seek me and worship me. And so that we all say, what about me, what about me, what about, get over it, yes? We must ask God for wisdom that involves what we know as prayer, basically communication, which is impossible if you're afraid of him and you don't have a relationship with God. You can do something ritually, yeah? But understand, this was his eternal plan. This is God's eternal plan. Hallelujah. And you and I were part of that provided we belong to a church. Now do you understand? Yes? So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get over it. And I love God to go to work in you. Yes? Hallelujah. He says, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. That means you and I had nothing to do with it. What must me do? Because we submit to Christ, put our faith in him, through the grace that he offers, yes? And therefore we can come boldly into God's presence. This presence, a lot of people misunderstand this. How many of you heard of Charles Finney? He was a revivalist, obviously he lived before you and me. A couple of hundred years, maybe, I don't know. But that's not important. When, whenever Charles Finney would go into a city, people would come under profound sense of the presence of God. They would come under that fear of God. There are reports of bars shutting down because people refused to drink or get drunk and they go straight from the bar to his meeting. This is possible then and it's possible today. Where are you? The question is, where are you? What about me? What about me? What about me? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get over it. Jesus has been there and done that. He said on the cross, what, I'm finished? Or oh, it is finished? What do you say? Ah, it is finished, yes. You sure of that? Hey, Charles, huh? In French also it says, huh? I'm, I'm finished or it is finished? It, it is finished, yes? So don't nullify that with your stupidity. Why do you think you can approach God on your own? You're totally not qualified. 
And while you were sinners, Jesus died for you. So through that blood, we can approach freely and boldly through him who alone is God and Lord. His name is Jesus and he has given us the Holy Spirit through whom we cry out, what? Abba, Father. Do you understand this? You know I don't preach like this. But I'm telling you, enough is enough. Get over it. Get right with God. Stop thinking you're okay when you're not. Stop fooling yourself. Enough of us is bakery that is fake. What do I call it? Fakery, bakery, yes? You won't find it in the bakery nowadays, yeah. Because it's well hidden. Because people think they are okay. But somewhere, somehow, there is this discrepancy. Then finally, the amount of what? They'll, like me, once before, they will throw the Bible away. And what did I say? I don't want your beeping Jesus. But like Peter said, where can I go from your presence? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord. Get right with him. Is that clear? Let's turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31.25. For I have satiated the weary soul. And I have replenished every sorrowful soul. This is what God says. Trust Him. Hallelujah. We'll continue next week, God willing. But I want you to know that you should not fear God. Yes, if you're not right with Him, get right with Him. And it doesn't depend on you. The blood of Jesus is what makes a difference. There was a substitution made in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Do you understand? Yes, don't sin, but if you sin, if you've fallen short, get right. Confess your sin. For our God is holy, yes? Is that clear? Let's all stand up and worship Him. <laughs>